A pair of solid trades and a beatdown in a rematch of the NBA Finals. One of the busiest days in Sunsland that I can remember in a very long time. And we'll talk about all of it on today's Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a contributor at suns.com as well as Dime Magazine, and a credentialed media member covering the Suns the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen on trade deadline day and every day, helping us grow our YouTube channel, of course, where we are just shy of a thousand subscribers once we get there. Kelly Oubre Jr. Bobblehead could be one of yours. I will be sending that out. Thank you, of course. Big shout out to everybody listening across all podcast platforms as well. I'm sure I have a ton of new listeners and viewers today on deadline day. So hit that subscribe button. Follow along if you haven't already. Of course, at Locked On PHX Suns on social media to keep up there as well. But Tory Craig, Aaron Holiday in. A second round pick and some cash out. Another job well done by James Jones. We'll get to all of that as well as a 24-point beatdown of the Milwaukee Bucks by the Phoenix Suns at the Footprint Center, a game that I just got back from, and it is already past midnight. So let's uh, let's dive in. No time to lose here. Um, I did not think, I'll start here, I did not think that Torrey Craig was a, I didn't take it seriously enough. I didn't think it was a serious option for the Suns. One, because I always sort of felt like if if they had had enough interest to keep him, they would have done so. Now, in retrospect, obviously the Suns could not pay the same amount necessarily that the the Pacers did. Um, if he really wanted that, that the salary that he got and that was the market for him, the Suns didn't quite have that much to offer once they gave JaVale McGee his contract, and so maybe it was about money. Torrey is not a guy who, you know, he's already in his, his late 20s. He broke into the league late. Maybe the money was really what was important to him, and he got it. So I, I guess I underestimated that part. I also just thought, look, we were going to get something a little bit bigger uh, we've been talking about Eric Gordon and Harrison Barnes and Justin Holiday and some of these players who are a little bit of a higher caliber and would have taken a little bit more to get didn't end up panning out. And Gordon and Barnes both end up staying put. Holiday, part of the DeMontis Sabonis deal, ends up in Sacramento. And a lot of those sort of role players that could be added by contenders, a lot of those players just did not change teams at this deadline and they just stayed with their squads. And so totally makes sense with all of that said that Torrey Craig would be the guy. Sun's able to kill two birds with one stone there by getting uh, finding a new home for Jalen Smith, which we know had been a priority basically from the moment they declined his third-year player option or team option, and also, of course, get a player in return. Second round pick goes out as well. Not 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 something I'm gonna spend too much time focusing on. That pick should not matter. Second round picks in general to me uh, do not matter. Maybe they add some value here and there, but uh, not something to sweat about. So really, just a one for one swap for the most part. Smith out, Craig in. Here's the biggest thing about the deal from my perspective. Craig is a player who will benefit from. 
the evolution of this Suns team. Here's what I mean by that. So one, you get the continuity that you wouldn't, literally no one else could have provided you. Anyone else you would have gone out and traded for, there would have been an adjustment period, a growing pain period, right? Where if it's even a great player like Eric Gordon, you're going to have to feel out what's his role here. What are the best lineups to play him with? What is the locker room feel like with this new presence Craig it's none of those questions are there you don't have to worry about how he's going to vibe with the team I think Chris Paul said uh his quote post game after the Bucks game tonight was that he um caught himself yeah he's obviously joking but like he almost threw the ball to to Craig on the Pacers the last time they played Indiana because he said he's one of our guys, right? So they already love him. They already know what he's about. And he he was a perfect fit here last year. He should be that again. But I also mean that in terms of on the court, because there was an adjustment period last season, right? We didn't really see Tory Craig at the five minutes until the playoffs and really until the Bucks series. I mean, it wasn't, it just was not something the Suns did. So I'll throw this up on YouTube for you guys. Here is the regular season minutes, uh, possessions, total possessions with no center, which basically were the ones where uh, Torrey Craig would have been playing. 79 total possessions throughout the entirety of last regular season. Then you go to the playoffs and you see 97 total possessions. So a lot more Jake Crowder in those small ball lineups and obviously Torrey Craig as well. That was kind of the go-to there with those two guys in the front court and then some combination of the other wings slash backcourt in there. 97. So you know, the whole regular season, only 79. 97 alone in the playoffs. And of course, that's no Sharich. I'm not counting those as small ball because Sharich really is a five at this point, I, I kind of think anyway. But then you go to the regular season this year, and this a reminder... <laughs> This is before Torrey Craig has even joined this team. 199 possessions like that. The Suns are in the 96th percentile in terms of how effective those lineups have been. They are outscoring opponents by more than 12 points per 100 possessions when they play without a center. So not only are they doing it more, but they are incredible at it so far this season. And it's a lot more different types of lineups that you're seeing. So you're seeing... Jay Crowder, of course, but you're also seeing Ish Wainwright, who's been a revelation doing executing that role lately, and you're seeing Landry Shamit in addition to the, the Paul and Booker tandem, and you're seeing, of course, Bridges and Johnson and, and everybody else, but they're able to mix things up, and what Craig will do is give them just an extra piece who can do exactly that. I mean, at the end of the day, that is that is really the draw, is it's just one more lineup piece to make you even more versatile, especially not knowing if Ish Wainwright is uh, going to be in the playoffs. As things currently stand, if they do not create another roster spot by cutting somebody else, they cut it up. They cut it. They cut Abdul Nader to create this roster spot for the Aaron Holiday deal, which we're about to talk about. Unless they cut another player, they will not be able to sign Ish Wainwright to a full contract and have him be eligible for the playoffs. So. That is becoming an increasing part of their identity the past couple of weeks to a month, and they might just lose that if they had not been able to get Wainwright in there, and so Craig gives them another option. 
We've off, we're, we're going to talk about JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo, who were pretty instrumental in beating Milwaukee tonight. So that is another element of this whole thing. And now Craig is, is yet one more. So um, in addition to that, he also is a player who, you know, could could be really more of a traditional 3 and D4 player for you now as well. Because if the Suns are in a position where in... A, a certain matchup or, or series that they can actually just trust the Biombo McGee duo to back up DeAndre Ayton. Well, then you actually end up going back to Craig being more of a wing forward defender because you don't need the center stuff. Like as much as the ability to go small and play Craig at the five that I was just talking about from last season was a chess move. It was also out of necessity when, when Sharic got hurt, the Suns just did not have another backup five to go to. So it became that it was almost, it had to be Craig. And obviously Frank Kaminsky got in there eventually as well. But now there's other options. So you could also see a situation we saw in this Bucks game tonight that Ish Wainwright was defending Chris Middleton. You could see that Craig could just go back to doing that. I mean, he, in the conference finals in the bubble, he was guarding LeBron James for the Nuggets, right? He was checking more traditional wings. And he could do that for the Suns as well. He is shooting this season from deep. Um, higher than I was expecting. I want to get you guys the correct number. 33.3%. He's literally made exactly one-third of his of his threes on a pretty decent volume, almost three per game. And that was pretty promising to see as well because last season in Phoenix was really the only time in his career that he had made a substantial number of of his threes. So the fact that he's still doing that on a worse team with worse point guards setting him up and probably less open shots is pretty good news. It means that that shooting development from him wasn't just a fluke, wasn't just a result of playing for the Suns. Now, 33% is nothing to, you know, do a, a celebration about, but it's enough. It's enough to keep the defense honest and to stay on the floor in the playoffs. Could not be more ecstatic about the ability that Craig has to just mix up what the Suns are able to do. It's not the biggest move in the world. I'll, I'll probably either do a bonus episode on Friday or talk about it more on Monday as far as why the Suns didn't go all in, the pros and cons, etc. But if you are just going role player, Craig was about it as good as you were going to do. Let's talk about Aaron Holiday next, guys. I do think that move, I think he's a player who will also potentially be able to play for them in the playoffs, which is, is, I mean, you get two of those guys in one deadline, you got to feel pretty good. But first, guys, Bet Online has you covered this week more than anything with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football finishes off its thrilling playoff run. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. So in addition to those odds and lines, BetOnline now has content to get you through the betting calendar. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games throughout the sports world. So don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available throughout 2022 at Online. Bet online where the game starts. Aaron Holiday. Uh, let's start with the surprise of this deal, which is that the Suns, we didn't know that this was an option for them. They apparently, quietly, applied for and received a disabled player exception for Dario Saric. 
it sounded, we, we had all been operating under the assumption that it did not come through. I think there was some rumor mill stuff at one point or another. The deadline was January 15th. They must have gotten it and just, it never leaked out, which is the most James Jones thing ever, honestly. Um, would have changed, I think, how a lot of us were looking at this thing, this deadline, if we knew that. But it helped. The Suns basically, what it did was it created a slot financial, only money related. It gave them half of Dario Saric's salary. Think of it like a trade exception, similar type of thing where it's just money. It's just the ability to get, to spend money that you otherwise would not have been able to spend up to half the amount of the player's salary who is going to be missing the season. And that's the key part. You have to be able to basically prove, and sometimes you will see NBA teams like, or the NBA itself actually, go to teams and almost like do a mini investigation to confirm that the player will actually miss the amount of time that the team is claiming they will miss. So Sharj's salary is eight, eight, eight and a half. So the Suns had a, a bill, basically a, a blank check for you know, four to four and a quarter million dollars, they went out and get Aaron Holiday. So they have to send out basically just cash and they just get this extra amount of money to spend on a player. And and so Aaron Holiday just gets absorbed into that. Pretty, pretty smart GMing and pretty under the radar manipulating, maneuvering. I mean, the Suns did have a fair bit of smoke around them this deadline. Everybody knew they were looking to trade Smith, and there were tons of teams listed as suitors there. You know, it became common knowledge, mostly from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, that the Suns had an interest in, in getting off of Dario Saric's contract. Um, and yet, this never came out. And I'm still actually not positive if they were even allowed to trade Saric once they had received that exception. Maybe they can just trade him and then they lose the exception. But either way, there was some reporting about what the Suns were up to, and yet this part of it never came out. So that's the nerdy kind of cap part of this, but it is interesting because I'm sure a lot of you are like, hold on, we just got a player for nothing? Yes, yes, they really, truly did. Um, as a player, Holiday, 2018 class, so same situation now as Shamit, um, Bridges, and Aiton. So he theoretically was, I mean, he was uh, eligible for an extension, obviously did not receive one, but he would be, as a first-round pick back in 2018, this coming season, he'll be a restricted free agent. Uh, not super important in that regard, but first year in Washington, and I think of him as a pretty promising player. I believe Sam Cooper of the timeline either tweeted or said on the Suns' uh, Twitter space that was going on today that he had looked it up, and, and Aaron Holiday, 39% pull-up three-point shooter, so that's pretty good. He is shooting this season a career high from two-point range. Um, to me, you know, he, on the pros, I think he's a pretty solid shooter. I think you can trust that you can have him out there and he's going to be able to knock down shots when they're open. You know, catch the ball. You can probably trust he's going to make a, a spot-up three. Um, he's pretty quick. I think he's... A fairly efficient decision maker. I mean, this season he has 78. He has a 2 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. Last season was about the same. The prior season was even a little bit better than that. So he's fairly efficient as a playmaker. Not an incredible, like, creating, 
you know, amazing opportunities for teammates type of guy. Um, but we know the Suns back in 2018 had interest in him. Gambo reported that at the time that they liked him um, with the pick that they ultimately traded to get McHale. That pick was in the middle of the first round that season. Gambo has always said that Holiday was the target that year, and James Jones was in the front office back then. Trevor Buckstein was in the front office back then, the assistant GM here. So maybe there's been some carryover. Maybe it just happened to be a guy who was available. But either way, you know, an innings-eating type of guy. Uh, but honestly, has probably would say he's had a, a better season than Landry Shamit, which is disappointing considering how much they are uh, making, respectively. Their contracts would indicate that Shamit should be having a better season, but, you know, such is life. To me, this more so, though, more than anything else, is about, I mean, yes, it gives you a little bit of a different option over Alfred Payton or Landry Shamit in the playoffs if you need him to, and I think he's a guy who could play. The, the downside is he's only six feet tall, so he's not the size that the Suns tend to prefer. I mean, he's another small player like Payne and Paul would be, but I do think he can, I do think he can play and he might play over Peyton or Shamit. Um, but he, honestly, maybe even more so than any of that is he in the regular season is going to be insurance and depth because the reality is as much as Monty wants to shirk the question and it's not that he ignores it or is disrespectful or, you know, ambivalent to the fact that the minutes are getting out of control, but the minutes are getting out of control. On uh, Tuesday against Philadelphia, on the second night of a back-to-back, Chris Paul played 42 minutes. Um, that can't, it just cannot happen for a team that has its sights set on a championship, knows it's in for another deep run, and had al- already had injury problems in last year's championship run so um holiday in that regard will be huge because i think he fits better with the way that the suns want to play offense the way that the nba wants to play offense than alfred payton does he's been more consistent over the course of his career than landry shamit has i would say and uh and and can play point guard which we don't know how long Payton is going to be out payton is not a great fit so that's important too I i really like that's probably the biggest area where I come down on this deal is just the regular season. He's going to be depth. Maybe he plays in the playoffs. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see what happens. Um, but if all you have to do is use some money that some literally free money that you received because you had a player hurt, then there's a lot worse you could do than a young, interesting point guard prospect. So that's Aaron Holiday. Let's talk about this Bucks game. There was a lot to learn. Um, I kind of want to go through it in terms of what what was different than last season and and what can we glean from that first though guys today's show brought to you as well by shopify the all-in-one e-commerce platform which makes it incredibly easy to start your new business we love the feeling of another sale on shopify here at the Locked On Podcast Network because we get what it's like to build a business. Now, I'm not going to take credit and say that I grew the Locked On Podcast Network from the ground up, but I grew this show from the ground up along with some of our other past hosts. And we as a network very much were a bootstrap operation for a while. And and now we've gotten bought by a big old company and, and we're moving and shaking. So we get it. 
This podcast started out with no ads, nobody listening, and here we are. Like ours, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. Shopify allows you to reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Shopify allows you to gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility Shop powered by Shopify. So check it all out. Imagine and design and bring to life this platform for your business by going to shopify.com slash locked on NBA. That's all lowercase shopify.com slash locked on NBA for a free 14 day trial to get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. That's shopify.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show guys also brought to you by built bar this year. It might already be difficult. You might already be getting tested with your new year's resolution, but built bar is the answer because you actually enjoy eating them. You actually go back to it. You get the power up that you need from the protein and the flavor does the rest. We also love to tell you guys about built bar puffs. If you haven't tried them before, you're missing out. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They are a treat. Again, covered in 100% chocolate, just like every Bilt Bar is. Soft and easy to chew. Softer and easier to chew than even the regular Bilt Bar because, again, it's really a marshmallow inside of there. It's chocolate-covered marshmallow, and somehow it's packed with protein. Hardly any calories. No more than 150. No more than 5 grams of carbs. Or, yeah, 5 grams of net carbs and 15 to 20 grams of protein in each and every one. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. On the puff side, they have lemon cheesecake or even cinnamon churro. Delicious, delicious stuff. Go to built.com, check out the entire slate of options, and use the promo code LOCK15 when you make your purchase to get 15% off. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. 131 to 107 final score at the Footprint Center tonight. The Suns winning by 24 points over their arch nemesis. It feels that way, at least. The Milwaukee Bucks. Again, kind of want to go through this in terms of what was different this time around and what I think that could mean going forward. So, the place you have to start is Giannis and how the Suns were able to guard him, um, how they chose to guard him. What we saw was, um, obviously the game starts with Bobby Portis instead of Brooke Lopez, so immediately things are a little bit different, but Aiton actually starts out on Portis, so pretty traditional. Portis theoretically listed as the center, Aiton of course listed as the center, so he guarded Portis. Which meant that Giannis started the game on uh, that Crowder started the game on Giannis, and that feels pretty normal. The Suns did that often, where they would have Crowder guard AD, Crowder guard Giannis in the playoffs, and and it makes total sense. But of course, we did see Aiton guarding Giannis quite a bit as well. Whether that was Giannis playing center or actually the first place I want to go here, which is Aiton at the four, so. That was actually the first adjustment that Monty made. We did see, I think, McGee solo at center guarding Giannis at one point. 
But then very quickly thereafter, we saw Aiton and McGee on the floor together where McGee was guarding Portis as the traditional center and Aiton was able to then guard Giannis. Purely a defensive thing, but... And the offensive possessions during that stretch were not pretty, guys. So, uh, like, I'm not, I'm not arguing that that's the answer. But it was interesting. And it was interesting especially because Monty went to it in this game. They play the, These two teams play each other one more time this season. And then, of course, there's the potential for a finals rematch. But Monty was comfortable emptying, you know, the canister out there and, and showing this on film, which is something teams don't always like to do. Also, after that experiment, we saw Bismack Biombo guard uh, guard Giannis Antetokounmpo in the second quarter, did a very, very good job, and actually earned the opportunity to take McGee's spot in the rotation come the second half. When Aiton checked out in the second half, it was actually Biombo who replaced him. Biombo did a very good job. And he ended up playing fewer minutes than JaVale McGee because McGee came in at the end of the game. But during the, you know, I guess, quote-unquote competitive part of the game, Biombo was at 11 minutes, McGee was at 5. And I predicted that when we talked about it with Aaron Edwards yesterday, previewing this game, that we would see Biombo might be a better matchup because he can move his feet. He's a little smaller. He's more physically matched up with Giannis, whereas uh, McGee is, you know, a little bit more awkward in terms of his mobility and isn't as strong and and physically stout as Giannis is. So I think we probably in a playoff series, we would see all three of those guys get a chance in addition to Crowder. Um, but, but that was fascinating to see. And the end result, Giannis 5 of 14 from the field, didn't make a single three-pointer, only 18 points, and then Gets to the free throw line quite a few times, but but missed a lot. Was not his NBA Finals self from the line. He only made 8 of 14, so just over 50%. So very much a victory there. We see a lot, we saw a lot of options, and Torrey Craig will, will be yet another one to guard Giannis in different matchups and different lineups. A few other things we saw. So to start the game, and this is a lot of matchup stuff, guys, because that's where my mind tends to go, but... Mikael Bridges actually started the game on Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker started the game on Chris Middleton. That's basically a pickup from where the Suns were in Game 6 of the Finals, but it's different than where the Suns started the Finals. You'll remember that adjustment to have Booker on Middleton didn't come until very late in that series just to try something else because Middleton was scoring so incredibly well. So, that's pretty interesting. Um, But again, uh, well, I guess not again, but Dante DiVincenzo got traded and Pat Connaughton, he had a cast on his hand after the game. I don't know what was up with that. I don't know if that injury was sustained in the game or if that's just recovery from something else. But either way, he was only one of seven and Grayson Allen did not play very well either. So they didn't have that fifth guy. Um, I, you know, it, bef- before it would have been maybe PJ Tucker or obviously Pat Connaughton. So I don't think any of the options available here would make the Suns have to adjust. Those three guys are going to be the, the defensive, the primary thing you're worried about. 
um, except for really the offensive glass where Lopez and Portis did a lot of damage prior. So I think that probably would be what we would see going forward is Booker on Middleton, Bridges on Holiday, and then, you know, from there, the Giannis stuff and everything else falls into place. The last point here is on the other side, not how the Suns defended the Bucks, but the other way around. And a very interesting quote I heard from Monty is, I don't even remember if it was pregame or postgame. I think it was pregame where he was kind of asked about what this game meant. And he, he said, we, we've learned a lot from that finals matchup. So it definitely matters to us to prove ourselves against the Bucks when we have the opportunity to do so again. But he also made a comment to the, to the effect of we've changed a lot of who we are and added to what we are as a team, as a result of that loss. And I thought that was a very interesting thing to say, to be so blunt and specific about that, that the ways in which the Bucks were able to, to defeat the Suns, you know, very prominently factored into how they thought about what this team was going to look like this season. But I think a very, very good example, aside from the center depth, the, the center depth is the obvious one, but aside from that, playing faster, uh, this game, the pace finished at 99.4, which is pretty fast for, you know, an NBA game this season and in this era. So that that tells one part of the picture. I think the Suns scored, yeah, the Suns scored 22 points off of Milwaukee turnovers. But you remember, I mean, the 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 big thing that I think everybody came away from that Bucks final series last season thinking is, we cannot allow Drew Holiday to dictate the terms of engagement on every single offensive possession that we have. And that's just what was happening flat out in the finals. Holiday was able to, you know, full court press or, you know, just get into the grill. And he was blowing up plays before they even developed. He was taking time off of the, the shot clock by poking the ball out and, and stopping guys in their tracks, forcing people to pick up their dribble. He was blowing up screens because the Suns were not getting into rhythm quickly enough. They were allowing him to get comfortable, which is the exact opposite of what you want to do. The offense should be the one, obviously, that sets the stakes of the possession and the the momentum of the possession, and, and Holiday was, was taking that over entirely. So the Suns made it a point to play faster. They piled up 35 assists tonight. The pace was high, and they, you know, they, they turned that into a nice offensive performance. 131 points they scored against what theoretically is a pretty solid Bucks defense. So nothing but great things to say. You beat your you beat your rival basically. You beat the team that that slayed you last season by 24 when both sides are basically fully healthy. I mean, I know Brooke Lopez is, is gone right now and there were some absences because of the trade deadline who and team players had not gotten to their new teams yet, but man, you have to come away from this day as a Suns fan feeling ecstatic. Two new role players that should make a, a pretty big help and a win that you really needed on national TV. Great, great day. Great way to end the week. I will talk to you guys on Monday. I may actually, like I said, I, I may do a bonus episode depending on how things go um, uh, tomorrow, my schedule wise, but um, I, I do just, I want to dig more and more into this state of affairs. I think the Suns are, are still the favorite, but it's a very interesting moment for all of this. So that'll wrap us up, guys. Thank you for making Locked on Suns your first listen each and every day. Now go make Locked on Bets your second listen to get ready for the big game this weekend.